I'm not the house of cards that falls down easily Ooh, I'm strong enough to handle what you throw at me Welcome to Mental Health News Radio. I'm your host, Kristen Sunanta-Walker. Just what are we going to discuss? The intimacy that is mental health. Let's continue to make it as comfortable as discussing brain health or heart health. This show has been on the air for several years and we have amazing co-hosts. And then we created a network of podcasters on mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com, a place where every possible facet of mental well-being can be talked about openly. My show, after several hundred interviews, the format is this. Intimate, deep, funny, touching, sometimes uncomfortable, but always vulnerable conversations with interesting people. The goal is to have you, our listening family, many of you who have become my good friends, feel as though you are listening in on private conversations. Thank you for tuning in and becoming part of this amazing journey with me and now with our network of podcasters. Just knowing this podcast might be helping any of you realize you are not alone on this journey called being a human being makes doing this podcast worth every second. Hey everyone, it's Kristen Sunanta-Walker and I'm here with two amazing people. Uh, One of them is Joe Gordon. He is the CEO of Stepstone Connect and we'll get into what that company is and how amazing um, they are in the field of mental health. And also Barry Toon, who is general counsel for Stepstone Connect. Gentlemen, thank you so much for agreeing to come on my show. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. Absolutely. Now, we've already talked and gotten into the business of mental health and all those things, uh, which is which has been fabulous. Tell our listeners, however, you know, what is Stepstone Connect? Because it's definitely unique in the field. Yeah, so I'll speak to that a little bit. We're uh, an online telehealth practice. We do trauma book specific therapy and uh, addiction work using only uh, a HIPAA compliant video platform. And so we're able to treat individuals all around the country. We specialize in two areas, primarily in working with addiction and then second in working with first responders. And we've really made that a big push because it's such an important population to be working with. Um, And it seems like telehealth is really ideally suited for that population as well. Absolutely. And I, I want to mention, too, to our listeners, um, Stepstone Connect is a sponsor of our show Rescue the Rescuer on the network with Stephen Kavalkovich, which is I th- it's definitely our most listened to first responder show. But he also is right up there as one of the most listened to shows under mine. So, mm-hmm. um, so thank you for that, because as our listeners know, sponsors are what helps us keep this engine Uh, of advocacy going. So we appreciate your support. It's our pleasure. Kristen, let me, can I just add something to that? Um, Of course. It was a few months back when we spoke to a large group of uh, police officers in Salt Lake City. They had gathered for um, a Western States conference, I believe for the Fraternal Order of Police. And they were very open about some of the challenges that they faced and PTSD was the topic at the moment. And vast majority of them uh, openly said that they had suffered from PTSD 
several mm-hmm. of them were vulnerable enough to admit that they had uh, dealt with suicidal ideations. And at that point, there was a, a pitch to have these uh, brave men and women get treatment. And bear in mind, they had just acknowledged that they were suffering uh, just horribly. And they all raised their hands, not all, 80% raised their hands and said, heck no, and I've given you the sanitized version, we'll never set foot in a treatment center. Um, I, I can't tell you the barrier that that is for first responders. And, you know, Joe and I designed this uh, platform because it allows first responders to get treatment in a way that they'll get treatment. I don't know that a lot of them would ever get treatment if they couldn't get it in a private, secure, away from the office, won't go to a brick and mortar kind of setting. So that's, that's a big part of it. I was thinking about that and I'm glad you brought that up because I I did a show with one of our new shows, um, Positive Connections Radio, and they it is um, done by a former detective. Uh, he was an undercover detective and a police officer and certainly, you know, has an addiction and trauma and PTSD background as well. And that was one of the things we covered was, you know, how... Um, I know there are groups that are wonderful and people do show up, you know, to talk in uh, in group settings and they go to AA and that's anonymous. And, you know, there's a lot of support out there that way. But there's still so much stigma, especially in the first responder fields and especially because uh, not especially because. There are a lot of men in that field and men still aren't as even though they're getting better because society's more um, allowing for men to be vulnerable. But, you know, it's still difficult. So being able to do this online is astounding. It really is. Yeah. And the goal is still at some point for those who need uh, a step up and help um, to be able to get them there and sometimes starting with a telehealth platform right. uh, breaks the ice enough that um, we can then get them to the care they need. So it's important. So tell us a little bit, you know, there's always a story behind why people create what they create, especially in the mental health field. So why, you know, why this kind of a company? There has to be, there has to be a reason, a personal reason, if you're, if you're uh, comfortable sharing as to, why this and why, you know, first responders? Um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a long story with, a lot, I think, a lot of different components to it because we didn't necessarily start off with this idea that we were going to go and treat first responders. And to be honest, when I first started StepStone, I didn't know the potential that the company had. I was in the uh, industry of... Um, uh, working kind of bigger treatment centers and we would start we would develop these treatment programs and they'd get big and then um, I was kind of finding myself I was getting a little bored with that because it was these programs would get big and then it was managing the programs and it wasn't connecting directly to the clients and right. I found you know I wanted to create something I was it was back in kind of the beginning stages and I started talking to people about the possibility of doing a treatment center. 
And one barrier therapists have in trying to start businesses is that we're not we're not business people, you know, we're therapists. And so everybody, the first question was, have you ever started a business before? And I, I hadn't. So I was meeting a lot of barriers. And I thought, well, okay, I'm going to start a business then. And how can I make, from a business standpoint, a company that allows me some flexibility outside of just your standard? I have a client in front of me and I get paid for that hour. Right. And so opening a group practice was where my thought went there. And then I thought telehealth as the possibility for um, and a scalable group practice that could really go as far as I wanted it to go. But I, I just thought of that as like a, I can now show I started a company. And then when I would talk to people, everybody would say, yeah, the treatment center idea is great, but I'm really interested in Stepstone and I'm really interested in this telehealth thing you're doing. Right. So the more interest I got in that, the more I realized that this was a product kind of bigger than what I thought it was and decided to just devote all my energy to that. And then we made a few contacts within the first responder community and it was the same thing. It was what Barry just shared about, we're not, we're not going to residential treatment, but we'll definitely talk about outpatient and about telehealth and about being able to remain in our homes to do yep. counseling and about connecting with brothers and sisters from all over the country who are going through the exact same thing that we're going through. And then that began to just fuel my passion for what we have the potential to do and the connections we've made um, over the past several months have really been uh, just the most rewarding experiences of my career. I never really would have imagined how um, fantastic this, this piece would be. You know, what's, what's great too is, uh, you know, on my, in my business world and mental health, I was, I, am and was in and out of, you know, small treatment centers all the way up to, um, you know, huge county run, you know, mental health organizations. And on a lot of those places, yes, they do telehealth, but the patient still has to show up at the office mm-hmm. and have a telehealth session there in a room um, and there's usually a nurse practitioner or someone that comes and helps them all, you know, get set up to do their session. And then the clinician is the one that's wherever they're at, you know, talking to the mm-hmm. patient. So I want to make sure our listeners realize this is not that. Yeah, there's a lot of different, I think, ways people think of telehealth based on some of the other companies that are out there is one thing we don't do. We're not uh, like text message based Uh, We're not phone-based. We log on with a video session. You have your therapist right there in front of you, and the client, you know, they they see each other. It's very much a face-to-face experience just Mm -hmm. done over HIPAA-compliant video. Yeah. And so, Barry, you've had this super fun job of making sure that all of this falls under HIPAA regulations, security guidelines, all those amazing things. <laughs> well, also keeping well, me in check, which is yeah, difficult. I, I, yeah, and I'm, I'm glad you tried to make it sound so exciting and fun. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, it actually has been fascinating. Telehealth, telemedicine in general um, is the Wild West right now. Um, oh, yeah. Because the various states have not been able to catch up yet with the technology. Technology is moving much, much faster than 
legislative bodies and regulatory agencies can can draft new rules and regulations. Um, there there are some some general things that are, I think are pretty clear, uh, but there are so many. Uh, I don't want to point fingers, uh, but there's just a lot of folks that just I think are abusing this, and it's yeah. uh, a, a challenge for agencies. They don't have the manpower to to monitor and oversee it. Yeah. Um, uh, to try to do this right is really tough, but it's critical, I think, for the long-term health of any organization out there that wants to have a successful uh, telehealth uh, program. I think my only advice to those out there listening who want to do this is um, you know, slow down just a bit and don't be worried too much about the revenue. That's really easier said than done. <laughs> but that first year, do it right. Um, because then uh, when the revenue does come in, you're going to be in a position where you know you've got a solid foundation. Uh, I've already yeah. seen a number of companies that have opened up their doors and shut them already because they just haven't been handling it the right way. So uh, that's oh, yeah. not to scare people off. This is terrific. It's, it's, the, it's the wave of the future. But you just have to be very mindful of uh, what's going on out there and stay on top of it. Yeah, absolutely. So talk about, you know, the business model. I'm curious about a few things. So would, let's say there's um, a treatment center and they, and I, listen, I've been in, I've been in out of, I mean, probably thousands at this point with in my consulting work. So I've seen it all, every different kind, <laughs> um, every different kind. Okay. Um, and I've seen the ones that fold and I was on the board of one that ended up having to fold and the people there were amazing. It was all kinds of just other things that go on. They didn't have a berry basically to monitor the legal aspects of everything, but they were, had, they were well-intentioned, but let's say a treatment center that is uh, a traditional, you know, outpatient or inpatient center wants to start using, you know, telehealth and they have no clue what they're doing. They wouldn't even know where to begin. Could they contract with StepStone and you then take over that piece of it for them? Or is that not how it works? Are you, or are you just your own separate entity? Like in, you're, you're in the cloud treatment center. Yeah, that's actually no, how it, it, Joe, oh, Joe can ahead, speak to that. No, no, no. I, I apologize. That's that's something that Joe can speak to because uh, we, we do that all the time. We've got a, a number of partnerships with traditional uh, treatment centers. So, Joe, let me kick that to you. Yeah, that's how we've really been able to grow the way we have is anytime I'm talking to a treatment center, we talk in terms of the ability to partner and creating partnerships where we're not coming in to replace any services. We're just coming to accentuate and um, expand on what's being done. So we have a treatment center that we treat only the family members of the people who are going through that center. And so they know that their families are being taken care of while they're able to foc focus uh, intensely on the people who are in the center itself. And then mm -hmm. um, occasionally we'll facilitate uh, joint sessions. And then we have other groups that we do on the majority of their aftercare. And that's a big part of what StepStone was meant to do is to provide a bridge for aftercare. 
where we can take away any barriers that uh, a, a patient may come up with because you know, Kristen, how frequent you set up a treatment plan with sessions scheduled and phone numbers to call and places to be and then come back to real life. And it's a totally different experience than what was expected mm-hmm. oh, when you're yeah. in the comfort of residential. Absolutely. And so yeah. we create a partnership with those centers where we're communicating back and forth and we're able to help that person transition out in a smooth way with um, the right kind of services they need because we're able to customize our services uh, so easily. Mm. And, it's, and you can understand why that's so important. I mean, when you look at the data and, and you see these treatment centers that are providing such terrific service and doing such a phenomenal job, and yet you look at the success rate once people leave the treatment center. Well, right. especially for those folks who are out of state, they come in, they, they go to a treatment center, they're there 30, 60, 90 days. Despite all the best efforts to have a transition and an aftercare uh, program, it's always challenging. Yep. What, what StepStone can do is keep that link um, and, and keep that relationship alive. And it, there is a, a synergy between the treatment center and StepStone and the patient. And it allows us to, to reach out to that person in a way that, quite frankly, not unlike first responders, they might not do it. They might not be willing, once they've already taken all that time off from their job, after you've just taken a month right. off of work, do you want to go three times a, a week for three-hour sessions to an IOP and also right. tell your employer once again, but if you can log in at night, you're probably going to do that. And then if something does go wrong, we're in a position to go back to the treatment center and say, hey, look, this person might need some care again. And right. that's a win-win for everybody. Most importantly, the patient, but for everybody. I think, too, with us, I mean, even just the movie that just came out, you know, that everybody's talking about, A Star is Born. I thought the way that they handled the addiction piece of that was phenomenal. Um, what's amazing is that we're starting to and I'm not saying believe me there's still so much stigma and so much work to do however it the the language um, around what addiction is around mental health treatment around recovery is not always anymore the oh 30 days and you're fixed it's now more accepting about, you know, this is a a relapse is not a failure. It's part of the addiction itself. And someone will, you know, need this kind of treatment again and again and again. And so we've got to change our laws. We have to change what insurance companies will cover. We have to have ancillary services that handle that aftercare piece that you're talking about. So I'm seeing that shift in different ways, not soon enough, obviously, but at least at least those conversations are out there now where before those weren't even a conversation you could have. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's actually been one of the best things about having Barry on board is as part of changing that culture and those things, we've had conversations, most insurance companies we found don't fully even understand what their telehealth policy or coverage looks like, let alone how do you explain that to 
a client. I know, I know, no one likes commercials, but seriously, folks, without the help from these organizations, we could not stay on the air. Please give a shout out to zencharts.com. If you're a mental health or addiction treatment center, you'll want to use their EHR. It's gorgeous, and they're just good people. And also MyGenetics, M-Y-G-E-N-E-T-X.com, because knowing your genetic code empowers your mental health treatment. And lastly, CopeNotes.com. We love getting positive messages right to our phones every day from Johnny Crowder. He's the lead singer of Prison, a heavy metal band sharing their music about suicide prevention, addiction recovery, and mental health. See, that was painless. Support them as they support us. Back to the show. And one of my favorite stories with Barry was we called um, our licensing board to talk about telehealth laws. And there was such confusion on what the law actually is. Barry just ended up pulling it out and reading it to them to help like explain really what they even say about telehealth. And that was actually really advantageous because then the relationship formed where we, you know, we are able to talk back and forth about what the laws are saying, what the direction is going, and be able to really influence those conversations and how that's how how that's moving forward. Exactly. And how do you guys are do you find treatment centers are asking you to connect to their EHR or do you have EHR companies coming to you and saying, hey, we want to be able to integrate with your system. Do you have anything like that going on yet? Yeah, we get EHRs trying to pitch us stuff all the time, but I think that's just the nature of <laughs> I'm sure you do. business, right? <laughs> they want to um, connect. Yep. And it's it's funny. I haven't found one yet that has a t- that really meets the the extensiveness of our needs. So we need the HIPAA compliance, but we also do group therapy. And I find there's a lot of EHRs that'll do video chat. You can go back and forth, but I haven't found any that effectively do group therapy. Uh, as well as including the compliance pieces we need and having the types of uh, little auxiliary things that we can use. Like we can create whiteboards and uh, do educational pieces on our on our platform. And I haven't found that yet. And that's one of the things we've really um, benefited mm, got, from is being able I've to do got, that. I've got one that you should talk to. Um, the CTO um, is this sort of Doogie Hauser guy, except he's now 39, but he got his PhD in um, systems and engineering and artificial intelligence at 23. And uh, he has an EHR company and it's astounding what he's able to do. And he's also a professor at a university and all of his students, like he teaches in an auditorium style classroom. So there's, you know, 300 people sitting there listening to him. And um, he picks the best engineering students to come and be on his programming team at his company. Wow. <laughs> so so I'll introduce you. I'll introduce you guys to them because that they have a whole telemo- telehealth platform that mm. you guys should you guys should definitely talk. But, you know, that these well, kinds Joe of had a hidden agenda. Yeah, Joe had a hidden agenda by raising that, Kristen. He knew 
that he was talking to the right host and had the right audience so that he could end up finding the right person. He was That was really just a sales job. I hope you know that. Yeah, I'm, I'm good at that. Except now you kind of freaked me out, Chris. I don't know if I want telehealth with uh, AI incorporated into it. I <laughs> well, he'll turn on the AI um, in its system if a company wants it but if they but you know most most agencies have no idea how amazing it is wow. and and they're afraid of it so they don't want it turned on he has a couple that have but it's not just automatically in there um you have to actually you know ask for it but um but yeah that's so funny because here joe you know you're you're the ceo of course i'm a ceo and we're doing we're doing our new show um the business of mental health and uh so of course i was thinking the same thing you were oh i'm gonna make this business connection for them and listeners this is what we do you know when you're in the business and you're a ceo you are you have your advocacy, you have your, your things that you care about, your passions, and that hat, uh, that skill of being a, a business person is always there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you could do a whole show, Kristen, on just what it means to wear those two hats as a therapist yeah. and as a business owner. And yeah. that, that can be a challenge sometimes, too. We'll come come back on the business show, yeah, and yeah. Uh, and uh, and we'll talk about that with my co-host because mm. it is, and that's the point of doing shows like that. There isn't anything out there that really, there's nothing out there in terms of a podcast that covers the business side of mental health. And I don't just mean, you know, I mean, yes, there are people that talk about value-based care and about you know, how to do billing and blah, 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 blah. There's all that kind of stuff, but there's nothing that does all that and gets into how do we really run a successful business in mental health, the most mm -hmm. underfunded sector of healthcare? Like, what does that mean? What does that look yeah. like? And, uh, and so that's why I like having organizations like yours on because we have so many, uh, people listen that are in the field and maybe they want to start their own business or they're looking for a company they should go and work for and they need to know answers to these kinds of questions and there sure aren't going to, there's not an easy place that'll give that information to them. Cause didn't you guys feel like when you were setting this up in the beginning, like I'm out in the ocean, I have no idea where I'm going, but we're just going to keep going forward and hopefully this is successful. <laughs> Yeah, I still feel that way. <laughs> well, <laughs> see, Joe's got that sort of Socratic humility. I, I thought I knew what I was doing, and uh, I've only since realized I don't have a clue. Uh, but it, it really is trial and error. Um, it is. We're going to be a lot smarter six months from now, and yep. we're going to be smarter again a year from now. And as we refine things, you know, I do listen to, I read everything I possibly can on the business of telehealth, what I find, and my apologies to the groups or people out there who are uh, talking about these things and I just haven't found you yet. <laughs> what I've seen out there is is a lot of information on just the kind of things you mentioned, Kristen, the sort of basics, but yes. it's not from people who are actually in the trenches running uh, a telemedicine or telebehavioral health company. And right. it is just not the same. It's, it's and the, 
the whole it you know there's there's the there's the market and the business of mental health as a whole and then there's all these little silos and telehealth is its own silo it's its own cottage industry so how do you guys um look at things like you know like i've interviewed a couple of other um telehealth companies and i got into the nuts and bolts of how they you know how they do their business and it was all about like finding psychiatrists, um, prescribers for hospital systems. And, you know, then another one did something else. And so is, is there even enough meat on the bones out there, so to speak, to really have competition yet? Well, uh, it's interesting because you can, you hear about the big companies that are out there and doing this. And all, some of them are very big, and they can be kind of intimidating, but you realize that that's just a handful of uh, groups. Insurance companies are starting to develop their own telehealth companies, which is something mm -hmm. we were surprised to find. And I think that's going to be kind of the next wave of this, is insurance companies are recognizing that this is a valuable service and they can save money in doing it. Yep but they're just gonna keep it all in house, which will make it difficult for companies like us to then get authorizations. So right. that's a that's a challenge we didn't necessarily expect. I think the next phase of competition is gonna be private practitioners who realize like I can just do this as, as part of my own caseload. And then a lot of just individual therapists in their private practice are gonna wanna do something like this. But I think it's still so new that it's, it can be intimidating to deal with all the different laws and regulations and not everybody has a berry on hand 24 hours a day. Exactly. Like I am fortunate enough to have, and I do use them 24 you know, hours. You, you know, <laughs> Kristen, it's, Kristen, it's probably the, the optimist in me about this market. There are a lot of people um, who are popping up. I, my own doctor, I've, I've gone through a, a series of shoulder surgeries and he happens to be uh, at the, one of the major hospitals here in, in the Intermountain West. And uh, I was talking to him the other day, and he just happened to have been appointed as the telemedicine head for that company. And we're chatting, and he says, well, we've got to do this because in five years, that's the way everything's going to be. And so it's been interesting to talk to him. And while there's a lot of competition that will be coming up, what is really important about telehealth is not just reaching those people who wouldn't reach out and get treatment in a traditional setting. It's also reaching out to people in areas of this country that aren't serviced, uh, mm -hmm. normally are not in areas where they can get the kind of service that they need. And that population is so massive that the idea that this is some zero-sum game is just something I don't worry about. It, uh, I, I think know. we could spend the rest of our life working and, and worrying about other competition. And there's more work out there than all of us can do combined. Exactly. And the best thing we can do is focus, focus on our product. I think that's why, you know, you guys, um, you know, your company resonated with what we do, because I'm very much a, there's enough pie for everyone. And someone takes a slice of pie that doesn't mean that my slice gets smaller. It's, you know, I, I have an abundance mentality, so I, I agree. But I do think it's really smart that you have specializations in what you do, um, you know, by going into the first responder market. I know that that's not the only 
um, place that you go. But specializing was a really smart decision because that does give you, you know, give you an edge. And I think bigger or A, it's needed. I mean, our first responders need it. And for unique reasons that we've already talked about, they, they need telehealth. But the other part is some of these bigger telehealth companies that are out there and have been out there for a while, they wouldn't touch the first responder market because it's not that's profitable right. enough for them. Yep, that's right. Yeah, it's, it's, re- it's really interesting you say that. I mean, first responders, this, this population is such a wonderful, fascinating, yes. curious group of people. And they're very hip to um, providers who they know don't really get it. And if they sense for, <laughs> that you do not know who they are and haven't taken the time to understand them, they're not interested. And if you don't, uh, if you haven't taken that time, uh, you won't have the credibility with them and it'll never work. And so we have had to spend a lot of extra time and it's paid off because when Joe sits down with somebody and they know the years and years that he has spent training and, and sitting down with individuals who have experienced acute PTSD uh, and, and they understand that and they know that, it's a lot easier to sell the product. And not everybody can do that. And specializing uh, is is crucial in this business. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, one of the things I used to go on and on about ad nauseum when I was speaking about electronic healthcare record technology at conferences, I was like, listen, I think it's kind of important that the CEO is a counselor of some kind, uh, you know, <laughs> Mm-hmm. If you're going to be putting mental health records into a system, the most stigmatized uh, thing, you know, possible, uh, your mental health records, and you're going to put them into the system, make sure it's not been written by a guy with his bachelor's in marketing. You know, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, I'm obviously biased, but I, I think it, it, it's, it's really helpful in this industry to have the folks who are at least at least a, a, a large percentage of the people who are involved in those kind of decisions, uh, either being actual clinicians or uh, having some personal experience in the in the recovery field. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I just think that's that's a huge part of it. I think you've got skin in the game. I think you understand what's going on. You see it through a different lens. Um, I. I I only got into this because of my own situation and my own experience with recovery. And mm-hmm. when you have people that you're collaborating with in a business who all get it, yeah. you know what that's like, Kristen. Oh it, my it's, gosh. It's, yeah. it's, it's a wonderful experience when everybody, you don't have to explain to somebody what you're talking about. Everybody already gets it. Exactly. Exactly. That. Yeah. That was another thing I found fascinating was, you know, I, I went through some mental health struggles while working with a very teeny tiny EHR that was horrifying and um, shall really remain nameless. But part of the I went through some mental health issues. I can it depends every other year I can kind of dip into um, seasonal affective disorder, but it gets less and less every year. And um, they were so awful about it. Um, 
it, it was horrible. And I was like, what? You're mm -hmm. in mental health. And it, you know, it was a big wake up call for me that, okay, just because a company is in mental health does not mean that they actually know what the hell mental health is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Certainly Amen. a fine line have to walk to know how to run a business but to also know how to be a therapist and how to yeah to really connect and care about what you do yeah. um and i've really benefited from having a partnership with barry who you know, his story is is fantastic and coming from uh, a corporate law and really understanding businesses to coming into this because he's passionate about it and he cares about it and he has a personal connection to it we get the best of both worlds with that when, yeah. when we first started, my goal as a therapist was I want to create something that, where we never need to say no to a client because that was mm -hmm. my hardest thing as a clinical director to say, yeah, I know you need treatment, but we can't take you here. Here's some, right. some options for you. And we've had to narrow that focus down because as a therapist, you want to help everyone. But like you said, you also have to specialize and you have to, to be able to start somewhere. So I've been kind of reined in a little bit to say we're going to start here but we really have the capacity to keep building and going in whatever direction we we want which is part of what i love about this company that's what makes you an entrepreneur <laughs> i just wanted to mention joe keeps saying um how nice it is to have a berry on the team and i'm, I'm starting to feel <laughs> like um that this is getting sideways here uh, you know I, I i wanted to mention that my connection to Joe is really related to my own personal story. Um, mm -hmm. I'm in recovery. I was a, a, a practicing uh, attorney for 18 years. I was actually a trial attorney and um, very high functioning addict and uh, finally hit rock bottom. And when I got into recovery, um, I ended up having just, you know, by luck or blessing or serendipity, whatever you want to call it, I was connected to Joe um, while he was the clinical director at another facility. And I was doing some pro bono work for his facility. I would come into his uh, treatment facility and I would help uh, the patients who had legal issues that were going on in their life as so many of them do and it was causing anxiety and it was interfering with their ability to get good treatment. And I'd interface with prosecutors and their defense counsel so that they didn't have to have that burden while they were getting treatment because we felt like that was a good thing to do. And through the course of that, I got to know Joe. And mm. it was kind of a cool thing. You know, there's that wonderful word in our language, concatenation, a series of events <laughs> where you, you make a decision or something happens and before you know it, you're you're way down the road, um, yeah. taking a whole different trajectory. And that 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 decision, that those circumstances, is what led me to Joe. It's what led us to this company. And so I, I can honestly say that there are some things in my life that weren't the best decisions, but I wouldn't trade it for anything because it's it's what got us together. That's fantastic. I mean, I want to make sure, Joe, because you have that humility thing like I do, but tell our listeners what your, you know, your clinical background is. Um, so I started out working with adolescents and I thought that would be my career. Um, 
I ended up kind of getting the business side of things when I would get put into positions of program development and the ability mm-hmm. to create different programs to meet specialty populations. And I worked with a variety of different adolescent groups in that. And then I um, moved on to work in a, a psychiatric facility. And from there, it was interesting because I did that program development skill and almost every uh, floor and, and department that they had. And one of those was active duty military where I really developed a trauma specialty. And that was, I think, where I started to feel like this is my calling. Like I liked all the other right. things I was doing, but the trauma specialty and working with active duty military members was, uh, it, it was just, and it's, I can spend a whole show just talking about how rewarding that was and what the experience <laughs> was. Um, I, I left, there's some, some changes happened within the company and went to develop um, dual diagnosis, trauma and addiction uh, comorbid treatment centers because I felt like everybody said dual diagnosis, but everybody was doing the same treatment. Um, right. And it really wasn't, it was just kind of a buzzword. So we went to create some true dual diagnosis programs and I did that for two different facilities. And at that point, just still decided to do what I love, which is program development and creation and creativity. And I think that's where therapists are ideally suited in business because we tend to be more creative types mm-hmm. anyway. And so if you can get somebody to rein us in and help us with the numbers, then I think it <laughs> creates a pretty good combination. Uh, creativity and entrepreneurship. I always think, you know, when I I would have to, well, they would call me the EHR doctor. And Mm -hmm. I always thought that was funny because all that meant was that I was able, I'm geek enough because of my whole other career outside of mental health. It was all about technology. So I'm just geeky enough, but I'm so entrenched in mental health for advocacy and my own mental health stuff that I w- it was really easy for me to speak geek to the programmers mm-hmm. and then translate their geek so that therapists could understand what the heck they were talking about. That's invaluable though. <laughs> <laughs> and then get a project actually yeah. like done, you know, and, and mm-hmm. not be the vendor, be the consultant so that I could say to the clinical director, listen privately of course listen you i think you're wonderful at your job you really are but you are derailing this project so Mm -hmm. please stop and let me do what i do and let the vendor do what they do and i'll take over talking to the vendor you just tell me what you want and then i didn't get in trouble because that's what i was there for was to find Mm -hmm. out those things and then i could go to the vendor and say hey hello you promised this, 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 this. I know because I worked with programmers forever that it does not take this long to get all that done. And you're just spouting off baloney to the client. What is going on? And then feed that back, you know, to the client and also back and forth with when they didn't understand why it took long and it was on their fault, you know, the side of the therapist because they don't understand you can't actually create something have it all done and then say we want to put the kitchen in the back of the house now (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) so it was interesting because you're right i'm sorry i went off on a tyrant but that's that's a big piece with therapists is they do think differently that's what makes them great therapists Mm -hmm. 
but it doesn't necessarily equate or move into that business or technological side. Not yeah, all, which is the different, those are the different hats you have to wear, right? And yeah, that's such a great idea for a show to to really oh, yeah. talk about how those hats interact. We, yeah. There are times where I have we, to directly take that off. Yeah, we talk about that a lot. We talk about the the importance of of being uh, self aware and and humble enough to know what we're good at and what we're not good at, and right. allowing other people on the team to to take over. Um, and I think no. A business is not going to be successful and, and, until everyone is willing to be that honest uh, with themselves. And uh, I, I just think that's a, a big deal. And I have to say something, Kristen. I really like how um, you are so open about your your own previous or past or current <laughs> mental health challenges. That is so refreshing. Um, I... I, I think it's it's so important to um, help deal with the, the stigma that's out there. I think we are getting better, oh, yeah. as you said, but um, I I can say this as someone who's struggled with uh, ADD his entire life. Nobody has kept me riveted for as long as you have in this program. I didn't once my mind didn't once go elsewhere. So that that's, that's hey, I have really ADHD well and mine didn't either. So. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> and I have it bad. Let me tell you. <laughs> no, well, I, I can understand. So we, I know this is starting to sound like a mutual admiration society, but I, I, uh, I really do appreciate that. Absolutely, absolutely, and that's the point. The point of my show was to, you know, be someone that'll. God, my listeners know more about me than they ever wanted to, but but it's really about, it's not about me being some kind of expert. It's just my human journey and the journey of every guest that's, you know, come on, no matter if they're a doctor or someone in technology or, um, you know, a patient, whatever. So it's been really cool to, it's been cool to see how popular and not that I am someone who cares at all about being the popular kid or whatever, but it's been really cool to be appreciated and to see this grow and become popular when we're not talking about things like the Kardashians, you know? Amen. <laughs> we're, yep. we're, we're talking about human stuff. That's what we're talking about. And still people tune in, which is fabulous. But we'll tell our listeners where they can they can find out more about Stepstone Connect. Best place is just go to our website, uh, stepstoneconnect.com. Fantastic. So listeners, seriously, our first responders that tune in, go to stepstoneconnect.com, listen to the shows on the network like Rescue the Rescuer and Positive Connections and um, Up Talk, all first responder shows. We've got more coming on board too. They're amazing. Stephen Kavalkovich is the host of Rescue the Rescuer and he's incredible. So, and this company is incredible and heck yeah. Am I going to say, am I going to plug what Stepstone Connect is doing? Because listeners, wouldn't you if you knew a company that did what they're doing? So thank, thank you. you. So and Kristen, you know, <laughs> honestly, if there are folks out there that are starting a telehealth company and have questions like you, this is an abundance mentality. Mm -hmm. uh, but, uh, people should feel free to call me. I, I will do anything I can to 
help other organizations get this set up right. Um, I, that that's important to us too. So um, yeah, we, we I think we're, we're all in this together. Exactly, exactly. It's why I've said, hey, if there's a competing mental health network, not yet, we're the only one in the world still. But if one crops up at some point, you know, the more the merrier because the great, that's more, even more people talking about mental health. But mm -hmm. anyway, gentlemen, thank you. I, I look forward to continuing our work together and the shows that we talked about, the connections we talked about, which I'll get right on as soon as we stop recording and um and then just continuing these amazing conversations so thank you oh, thank you so thank much you, all right and thank you to our listeners for tuning in to another edition of mental health news radio hi this is dr paul meyer founder of the national chain of meyer clinics i've often told you about how people just like you are getting the healing that they need from emotional issues like depression anxiety anger problems and relational problems we wanted to share with you Mickey's experience at our day program and how it has affected his life. The Meyer Clinics has been a real blessing to me. Dr. Meyer told me that people get well here and my life has been completely changed. I have been symptom free for three years and I'd recommend it to anybody that really wants to overcome an emotional problem of any kind. Mickey's story is like so many others that we receive. It's an encouragement to us, and we hope it will also be an encouragement to you to call us to get the emotional help that you've needed. Please call toll-free 888-7-CLINIC to be connected to the Meyer Clinic program nearest you. That's 1-888-7-CLINIC, or go to MeyerClinics.com. That's www.meierclinics.com. good intentions i heat up and act on my emotions thanks so much for listening to mental health news radio our podcast can be found on itunes stitcher and hundreds of other podcast apps or you can visit our website at mentalhealthnewsradio.com if you have a question or would like to be a guest become a podcaster on our network or join the amazing organizations that help keep us on the air please email us at info at mhnrnetwork.com Get ready for that special goodbye from our resident therapy dog, Miles, and a special thanks to Emily Sohn for letting us use her incredible song, Cordial, for our podcast music. Listen to the full song on SoundCloud at emily.sonne. Don't be surprised when I don't hate on you. After all we promised, we'd be cordial. Sometimes in you, I can fight it. Good boy.